good networker is like a great interviewer. I'm huge on authenticity, guys. Um, you know, it's a big part of, of, of my message. Claim your local listings and don't get caught um, paying someone for your local listing. If you want to be successful, you got to do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. And when in doubt, give to other people and don't expect anything in return. But in giving to other people and helping them, it almost always comes back. It's using the power of partnership, creating trusted partner networks to work with you to make your company be an offer more than just you. They've done 90% of the work. It's your job to do the last 10% to meet them in the middle. Don't let the fear of losing be greater than the excitement of winning. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ask Valor Masterminds podcast, brought to you by A-Advanced Septic Services and Fuse Networks. My name is Galen. And I'm Joe. Coming at you from the BD Local Studios in Tacoma, Washington. So, Joe, uh, to our new listeners and viewers, can you tell everyone how our podcast came to be, please? Absolutely. So, it first started out as a private Facebook group page. And the purpose was to bring business owners together to kind of communicate with one another, ask questions, share tips, kind of brainstorm with one another. And so from that, it kind of has just morphed into a podcast where we bring on different guest speakers to talk about different topics as they relate to business in some form or fashion. Awesome. And everyone, don't change your screen. Terry has been a previous guest. So Terry, before we kiss the ring of the godfather of social media, oh, yes. we need to rewind. And uh, I forgot you did you, that. <laughs> uh, our previous episode was Dan Whedon. Joe, what was one of your main takeaways when we had Dan on our previous episode? I'll do two. So the first one is more for the business aspect, which is plan with the end in mind. Uh, and one of the things that he brought up is that a lot of business owners don't carry disability insurance to cover themselves. If they're the rainmaker, then they should absolutely cover themselves uh, in case for any of any unforeseen accidents happen. And then the second one he brought up, I thought was amazing that no one's ever said this before, but your marketing plan is actually more important than your business plan. Because without a marketing plan, how is your business going to succeed and grow? Right. Just because real quick, I echo that same um, thought that uh, the takeaway is most business owners, sometimes we come across, they actually want to do the opposite, like shrink and try to save costs, but marketing is an asset. Um, Absolutely. We have Mr. Terry Dry back in virtually with us. So Joe, there's some people who don't have the greatest memories, you and I included. Can you yep. read the first or share the first part of Terry's intro, please? Yep. It says here, AKA the godfather of social media or the social media OG. Terry Dry is an award-winning marketer, entrepreneur, strategic advisor, CEO, and executive coach. As the founder of Future Proof Advisors, he specializes in advising mid-market businesses and their executive teams on how to overcome barriers that inhibit growth. Regarded as a pragmatic visionary, Terry is best known for pairing innovative thinking with practical solutions that helps organize organizations transform their operations and achieve meaningful success. So not only does Terry advise existing companies, but he also builds and transforms his own ventures. Most recently, he co-founded Scaled and then profitably exited RSVD, a SaaS business software service that provides digital capacity management solutions for retail, food, and hospitality industries. 
Terry is a consumer engagement pioneer. Prior to Future Proof Advisors, co-founded and scaled Fanski, one of the first ever social media marketing agencies, which he drew from an initial $10,000 investment to an eight-figure acquisition by Omicron. Terry began his career in the music industry. A lot of stories there, culminating with his role as VP Artist Development at Interscope AM Records. So everyone, Terry, welcome again back to our podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I like the, all the hype. You look the you're the best <laughs> hype man of all time. I appreciate it. You know, it's like you're coming into the ring and uh, it's a t- heavyweight title yeah. fight. We got yeah, to rep good. our fighter accordingly. We'll yeah, see I'm if we can get our uh, uh, BD local to maybe put some hype music in for the introduction. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Now, speaking of hype and how we like to hype our local businesses, Joe, can you hype a little bit about our hashtag Valor Cares initiative, please? Sure. So uh, being that uh, Ask Valor Masterminds, we have Valor Marketing. Uh, one of the big things, our big initiatives the last two years has been helping small businesses. And the one way that we've been doing that is by giving away free website builds. So if you have a business and maybe you don't have a website because you're just starting out or you've been in business and you're unhappy with your website or whatever the case may be, you can go to our Ask Valor Masterminds website, click on the Valor Cares and submit your information and we build free websites every single month for businesses. And included in that too is a company called Waymark who um, an added value, one month free subscription of creating videos. So it's a subscription service, you get one month to create one video, 10 videos that you get to keep. So a uh, great deal there. Yeah. Now we come to our A Advanced Septic Pump You Up quote of the day. And this quote is relevant to today's episode. I'll read it. When potentially selling your company, focus on being in a buyer mindset versus a seller mindset. So Terry, to our business owners out there who don't know if they're buyer or sellers yet, they could be starting or they could be on the backside of their company's kind of existence. What what would you say to that, um, like knowing which mindset to flip into? Well, it's really important to be always in the buyer mindset, the way I look at it, you know, which is, and I see this happen all the time and I'm guilt, I've been guilty of it myself, which is the second you've got an asset, right? You've created enterprise value. And if you've made that decision, hey, I want to sell my company, you flip into sales mode, right? You're like, oh, I hope somebody out there wants to buy my company for how much I want because I'm already envisioning the, you know, the trip I'm going to take or the second vacation home or the boat I'm going to buy or whatever that is, right? And so then all of a sudden you flip into sales mode and seller mindset and you want to help, you know, sell them on your business versus you're the the buyer still. So even Mm -hmm. if somebody's coming to you, you're vetting them. Is this the right buyer? Is this the right partner? Is this the company that's going to be the proper steward of right. my business? Because in most cases, when you sell a business that you've created, you're probably a key man. And that means you're probably still going to be asked to work there for a pretty decent period of time. So it's important to stay in the like, you're holding the cards, you don't need to sell. So you're sort of the buyer. And it's really interesting how often that changes because you get defensive or you get scared or whatever it is. Right. I mean, I know, you know, the pandemic caused a lot of people to rethink things. If you're going in buyer or seller mode, like maybe it's not about buying a boat or the vacation home, but it's keeping the home, keeping the boat, you know, yeah. as opposed to growing. So, uh, but a mindset nonetheless of like doing the right things to keep your company going. 
Um, so now we come to the part of our podcast, our Did You Know segment. So if these networks, having solid backup practices can save your business. Data backup is something that all businesses need in some capacity. The reasoning for this is simple. You can never predict the future. So your business's life is never guaranteed. So relevant to our episode today. Unless, of course, you plan for the worst. Today, we want to share with you some best practices as they relate to data backup and disaster recovery practices, which will hope to give you the confidence that you can recover from even the worst case scenarios. Contact these networks to learn more. Uh, so this part, I asked for like, a, I think there's a myth and a fact that we'll go over. But um, as we get into today's episode of business valuations, this myth is all deals are created equally. So it sounds simple to someone who doesn't know it, but as an expert in the field, are they created equally? Well, I would actually say it's supposed to say not all deals are created equally. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that's really, that's the point. They are never created equally. There are, I would argue there's templates, there are formulas, mm-hmm. there are all those things, but everything changes, you know? So it's different buyers have different agendas, different motivations, different things that come in. So it's important to understand that they're not the same. They're not equal. Is it something different then for more like SaaS businesses to like brick and mortar businesses? Is the process still like the same when you're thinking of selling your company? Or, I mean, I guess digital assets have a different valuation like physical assets then, right? Yeah, I mean, I really think it depends. Yes, correct. There are different... Um, types of buyers, different formulas and things. If you're, you know, an e-com company or a SaaS business or a service business, there are different metrics that people will look at, but all of that stuff varies depending really on who the buyer is. Is it strategic? Is it somebody who just wants to buy a client list? Is it somebody who just wants to buy you or they're buying a capability? In the case of my company that you mentioned earlier, the social media agency, we were small you know, at the time and Omnicom who bought us, we, in fact, I remember them saying like, we like you guys, but you're too small a company. Like you're not even worth our time to go through the transaction because, you know, it's just too small. But then luckily we grew a little bit. And then also the need for social media and some kind of expertise was there. So they were buying us as much for the capability um, as they were anything else. And then in their particular case, there was a very specific sort of template of a deal that they use and they didn't really waver from. And they had the power position of being like, take it or leave it. Like, this is what we do and this is how it works. And it was very fair and essentially had a component that was called an earnout mm-hmm. that helps you, you know, increase your value. So in like a, just kind of off topic slightly, but with these bigger companies like a Microsoft, you know, that buy smaller companies, do they usually buy them to buy their capabilities or technology almost to keep and put it in a safe so they control that to protect kind of their product? Because I've seen that, you know, bigger companies just acquisitions just come, 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 acquire as much as possible to kind of choke out the competition almost. Is that kind of what they're doing? In some yeah, capacity? if you're in a defensive mode, right? If there's a defensive mode, you might do that to kind of sort of keep your moat around your business. And if somebody's maybe figured out a better way or a different way, they might do it. Like, I mean, just think on the big scale of Google buying YouTube, you know, early on, you know, however, there's so many ways to look at it, but in the SaaS business we just had, it was, it was similar like that, where we had kind of figured out 
a different way to do something. And a much bigger company came along and said, that's smart. We should add that as a component to what we do. So there was probably an element of defensive mm -hmm. and also an element of sort of protection, right? So it, it, it really varies back to the not all deals are created equal. I mean, it, it really varies as to what somebody's looking for strategically and also what the company themselves are valuing as well. But sometimes it, you know, people can get confused. People can get tricked. They think it's the, oh, it's my customer list, but it's actually really the management team or, oh, it's my revenue, but it's really the profit. Or in some cases it's, you know, a tool or a resource somebody built and it had nothing to do with anything else. So it's, it, and I'm seeing all these all the time right now. So it's kind of all over the map. So that, um, just to kind of expand on that a little bit. So are there smoke screens sometimes like the company buying it thinks, well, I want, I want this company who we're going to acquire, make it think like we want their list, but it's really like the management team to, you know, like maybe present like false values, like, well, it's the list and we value it this much, but really they're thinking deeper. Like we want the management team because we see these people, we move them in other key roles. They could really thrive or make our company better or, you know, um, yeah. more offensive, <laughs> defensive in a cloud kind of way. My first reaction to that, Galen, is like, boy, wouldn't that suck if the acquiring company wasn't transparent and disclosing what they wanted and what they valued? Um, not to say that that doesn't happen, but, you know, that would suck, right? Mm -hmm. So that was sort of my first thing, which is you go through a due diligence period where you get to know each other. And that goes back to if you're the company, if you're the company that's maybe selling, being in that buyer mindset is, do I want to be in business with these people? You know, and are they good people? Are they honest people? Are they transparent people? What do they really value and why? And is this going to be an added value? Because you want it to be, you're getting married to someone, you know, yeah. that's really what's going on. And in many cases, you're selling something that you've created, that you're passionate about, that you're, you know, tied to in a big way. And you want to make sure you're making the right decision. But to your point, I think, they should disclose all those things and they should look at them all. And that's what due diligence is for. And look, I've been involved in one deal where somebody was just being cavalier. Like, I want to buy this. I want to buy this. I want to buy this. And they weren't doing the due diligence. And it's only three months in, six months in. They're like, oh my God, what did I buy? Like, this is a mess. No wonder this guy wanted to sell it. Like, I'm always like, be careful of people who are really eager to sell their company because there's probably something there, you know, under the hood that is scary or bad. And do they you, know. Do you, ever find, oh, go ahead. Sorry, do you ever find that, um, like you had mentioned, like when people, when companies buy other companies, the the old owners will stay on board. Do you ever find it that it's just a straight buyout and they take their money and then they're just done? Yeah. And in those particular cases, it might be to what Galen was saying, you know, maybe they just want to buy a client list mm -hmm. or maybe they're just buying revenue. So often you see those kinds of deals when it's, um, private equity back. So there's lots of different kinds of buyers, which I know you've probably talked about in the last um, pod, mm -hmm. but there's private equity, there's venture, there's strategics, there's all these different ways. And I'm not trying to label it one way or another, but oftentimes there can be a buyer who's just rolling up a bunch of companies mm -hmm. because they're going to then flip it later. And their whole thing is I'm buying the clients, I'm buying the revenue, and as much of the team, especially the leadership team, who typically costs more, that I can get rid of because I already have a leadership team, great. And they might just do it. What I've seen that's awful is when they're 
lied to. Well, like, yeah, you're going to be part of this, whatever. And then, you know, within a week, they're like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. You know, and, and that's, that's, you know, the tough side. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, most times it doesn't, but there's just all these different ways, which is why I really encourage the due diligence. Well, I think this next one, this fact, uh, just, we were just talking about it, but I'll read it. Different buyers have different agendas and motivations. So they may be, they may put different valuations in the company based on different metrics. So that's exactly what we were just talking about, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's fascinating um, what, how that works, you know, and I'm involved in something right now, like part of our business is we help future-proof, you know, companies forward and we help them get their businesses Mm -hmm. in a better place and forward. But what seems to happen a lot is people want to have an exit, right? So it's towards the, hey, I want to have an event. I want to have an exit or I want to just get to the next level. And often that has to do with selling to a strategic or partnering in some way. And we're involved in a couple of things, but one in particular right now where it's really interesting, where uh, to the point you made earlier, Galen, one acquirer I think is in it purely defensively of like, oh, wow, these guys have something. We, We want to have that something. And if I corner the market, I can get these guys. Another potential suitor is looking like the story I had. They're bolting on the capability of we don't have this capability. Our clients want this capability. So therefore, we need to get the best in class. And then there's others that are, in fact, in the same case, that are rolling up companies like this and just going, I'm going to make a much bigger entity and I'm really just buying the clients and I'm buying the revenue. Um, And that's their that's their goal so there's all sorts of different yeah agendas and motivations and you hope and you try to make sure they're pure you know and you're dealing with good people that are going to treat you right your company right and sort of live those values but it's hard and they all have sort of different metrics so to add on to what i just said there's also different valuations that come with what i just said because somebody will value one thing more than another and somebody like what you think is really of high value they could care less about Right. So can I get, I'm going to just jump right into the topic, Galen, of business valuations. Can you give our audience some examples of what are some of the different, um, I don't want to say things, but things that, um, yeah, yeah, different things that are looked at for the, for when you do in a business evaluation. We have a, a slide on it. So um, here's the things I wrote down or that I took notes on that maybe you could just cover it in no order. Revenue. EBITDA, growth rate, client list, management team quality, which you address, a plan forward. Um, yeah, just those are the different metrics. Can you just kind of discuss each one? And for some audience members, like what does EBITDA stand for? Some people may not sure. you know, listening or watching. Yeah, so look, I, I haven't seen a transaction yet where someone's not at least looking at the revenue and the EBITDA. And EBITDA is just a fancy term for profit. Right. It's just another way just to not complicate it. Mm-hmm. It's essentially your your profit. And so they're going to look at your top line revenue. They're going to look at your profit. They're going to look at those margins because different industries have different margins where they want to mm-hmm. see that you're making X amount of profit. Another thing that I think gets often overlooked is growth rate. Like people want to be excited by, oh, my God, this company, like the company that I'm referring to, one of them, they've doubled in business in the last two years. You know, in in my particular case, when we were selling our agency, we went up 300%, you know, so that's a, they want to catch you on that, 
mm-hmm. on the comic, right? And what often happens is you grind that curve, and then once it starts to get like this, is when an owner panics. I gotta sell, and you're like, oh crap! You can you know, the the window. You might not be as sexy, if you will. So they want to mm-hmm. see the growth rate because also they're buying. Really, they're going to give you a lot of money for future potential. So they want to see that there's that growth. Um, then, in some cases, like you said, like we were listing off the client list, like, and it maybe, and that's for a service business. Otherwise, yep. it could be for like an e-com. It is, what do you sell? You know, do you have a certain brand? Do you have a certain type of anything that you do or sell that we don't have or that we want or you know, that that's the side. So it's some kind of specialized, unique something offering that you have. And then I think you people often overlook the management team and the leadership team. I think one of the things that I've noticed people really look for is not only is it a high quality management team, but how long have these people worked together? Because that's a really big tell, right? If they've been a team for more than five years and it's all the same people and they've led this, then you're like, I've got a solid, good culture, good team, they work well together. I don't have to worry about that versus, oh, the management team's like a revolving door. Yeah. And yeah, there's the one leader, but everybody else goes, that's that's a little bit of a red flag. And then, yeah, lastly, I think they're always looking like, what's the plan forward? Like, what do you want to do? Like a good buyer comes to you and says like, how do I help you achieve what you're trying to do? You know, achieve your growth. And, you know, hopefully you have a good plan where they're going to buy into what you're doing, where you're going, and your segment. And that's where a lot of the valuation can be found. Now, people will have a formula, if you will. They might have a, hey, we do two times revenue, or we do six times your profit, mm-hmm. or there, you know, or there's a different option here and here. But what you'll find is those are negotiable based on these other metrics that I'm talking about. Like right. if your growth's going well, then somebody might be willing to give you a higher multiple, or somebody might be willing to do something different or more money up front versus later. So it all starts to become jumbled up after that. So for like the small business owners, because I would a lot of our audience is that as they're small yeah. business owners, they're probably under 50 employees. Yep. Um what advice can you give to them about maybe um something they can look at uh, when it comes to having their business evaluated? Because I know that some business owners right now, like I have clients that are trying to sell their business and I'm like, great. Did you do evaluation yourself or are you just waiting for the oncoming buyer to do an evaluation to kind of compare the both? Well, I mean, what, what kind of advice do you give to the small business owner who's thinking about selling? Yeah. I mean, Joe, you're teeing, teeing me up for exactly what we do all day. So, I mean, that's, we work with, that's essentially the average of the business we work with is the 50 person business, you know, mm-hmm. and um, what we typically do is we'll do our own version of evaluation, depending on what industry they're in, how they're doing in all these metrics and we'll give mm-hmm. them sort of a range right it's because we're fortunate enough to have seen a lot of these deals and be a part of a lot of these deals and know a lot of people in this space that we can you know be pretty solid in like here's sort of your range that's like a comp right like you'll give them like a comp of yeah this I thought is you were calling me a comp. <laughs> oh, no. that's yeah but yeah we'll give them the comps of this is what it looks like this is what it could be and then what we try to do is extend that and go if somebody's purely focused based on what we just talked about, guys, like mm-hmm. if somebody's only focused on your profit, then this is what it could look like. If somebody's only po- po- um, focused on your revenue because they're buying revenue, then this is what it could look like. If they're looking at the intangible, like in some cases, 
they're a brand, you know, this company, like an e-com company, they don't even realize that they've developed a brand. They're so focused on their numbers. I'm like, no, you're actually a trusted brand and there's a value to that too. So we'll kind of put little multipliers on it, give them a range. I remember once we did a range that was so wide, it was like, why did you even do the valuation? But you're trying to at least give it to them. Typically it's a lot more narrow. And then the old adage of, you know what it's worth? It's worth what somebody will pay for it. Yep. You know, and at the end of the day, that's really what goes on because so much of what we're not talking about is timing. And we're at a place right now in the world, in the macroeconomic climate, that's a lot to do with timing. Like I've got one company that could have sold for twice what they're, you know, a year ago, what they probably could get today. And I've got another one that's probably twice today what they would have been a year ago, you know? And so a lot of that is catching timing and the right strategics. I'm going to ask a question then. I, I guess one thing I'd say is there's a, a show, uh, The Profit with Marcus yeah. Limonis. Yeah, it's a good show. And, uh, I'm just thinking about it because that's, you know, he's talk, always talked about the, the people and the process, right? Your, um, your people, profit, process kind of thing. And uh, what you're talking about, because he, he the, the premise of the show, for people that don't know, he looks at kind of struggling companies or companies that have value who go in and either it's, I'm going to buy this brand and like, I'm going to scale it bigger because mm -hmm. I like it. I yeah. like the people, you know, I think I could plug them in different roles or like the whole company. If it's a legacy business, whether it be brick and mortar or SaaS and just help it grow, you know, and then he has this deal where he writes them a big check. He makes all the decisions. And usually those company founders like stay on board just following mm -hmm. this kind of process. So when you're talking about these things from our core audience standpoint, the small business owner out there is thinking of all these things, but then you're having someone kind of the valuation process that Joe brought up. Um, you know, I guess a question I have a follow up on his is, is it a good idea for businesses just to get a professional valuation done on your, on your company, no matter what stage you're at? Um, it my, my initial reaction is if I'm running a 50 person company, that's not where I want to spend my money because okay. all that's going to do is just make me feel good. Stress out more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or stress out more. Right. But the truth is it's what somebody's willing to pay for it at a given time. And it's what you're willing to sell it for. So a different way to approach that, um, that I recommend is what do you want? Like, so again, back to the buyer mindset, screw all these people, screw them what they think. What is it that I want? I've built this company and it's in theory to support the life I want. So let's say I want to have X amount of money this a year, or, you know, I've had people tell me by the time I turn this age, I yeah. want to exit and, and I want it to be worth this much. And so we help them develop that as like a North star. Mm -hmm. And then you go, okay, this is it. And then we'll go, Okay, guess what? You're never getting there, or or that's going to be hard, or here's exactly the path to get there. And then with one company, I was like, hey, you're already there. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think you realize this, but you're already there. And let's go test the market mm -hmm. and make sure that we're right. And we can float this to a company that I know that, you know, that's part of what we do is we've got the network of like, hey, let's see if this is, it, it will pressure test it and see if this is right. And it's amazing the swagger that comes in that CEO and they know that, right? And then they start doing different things. So um, that's just different ways to look at it. But yeah, if you're going to, it can be very expensive to do a professional valuation. And I would tell you it's all subjective because it goes back to there's different buyers, there's different industries, mm -hmm. there's different multiples. And the thing that's really happening now is there's a diversification of the buyer. So there's 
people coming out of the sky. We have this one that I was just talking about, a company that's not based in North America comes out of nowhere um, that we actually didn't even know about and had a different agenda and a different plan and, and it had a different kind of way that they wanted to use this company. And it was something that was new and it was, you know, that, that's where you just don't know. And they valued it much higher and back. I'm sorry if I'm going long here, but this will help the small business owner by that person knowing their number. It changed the game because they came in with an offer that was lower and they went back and said, Hey, that's all good. But you know what, if you could go the, just so you know, I'm not selling my company until I get to this number. Right. Like respectfully. And guess what happened the next day? They got that offer. They got to the number. They sure did. They right. magically got to that number. And then we're like, whoa, that's interesting. So I'm going to ask a question then. What, how does or does social media play into it with like how many followers you have uh, or like website traffic, how much traffic your website is getting? Does that, does that come into play when evaluating a business? Totally. I mean, we'll look at it when we're evaluating a business, but it really, again, back to the buyer, they might care about it. They might not. I would tell you this definitely helps, right? You've got a brand, you've got a following, you've got, you know, an audience, if you will, mm -hmm. again, it depends on what industry you're in and what you're doing, yeah. but it's certainly never going to hurt you to have a big following, to have a list, to have some kind of position in the marketplace. Cause that's what people want. Like when I had my social media agency it was like, we were one of the first and we had a big client list and a big following mm -hmm. and a big reach. And that was really important. In the last business we had, the SaaS business, we, in that particular case, we didn't have much of a following, but we had clientele in a certain um, marketplace that this, the acquirer really wanted. And so it just, like I said, I just see so many different things. And, uh, and in that particular case, because it had sort of a second exit, Mm -hmm. That company's valuation, I think, doubled in the span of a week oh, wow. when different people were looking at it and it became a defensive play for someone. So that's one of those, you know, sort of happy moments. Yeah. So, um, timing. Uh, wow. Another question that came across. So in the, um, the non-SAS or non-e-commerce, non-digital space, what industries do you see um, are wanting to get acquired? Which, what kind of businesses are wanting to be bought right now? I guess I'm hearing from a lot of service businesses, okay. right? Because it gets it can get scary, you know, when when things slow down because you're sort of beholden to things. So I get from a lot of service businesses, um, hey, maybe now is the time. But that might just be where I'm sitting because I deal with a lot of agencies and right. service businesses. Um, but I, I guess I would say there's always a time for someone. I would say though, if you're in a emerging sector or a, 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 you know, we were doing something in SaaS, there's companies doing things in, you know, with virtual reality or things like that, that, you know, that there's an appetite for an emerging technology or an emerging sector, if you will. Okay. What is, I know we're running out of time here. What is one last piece of advice that you can give either buyers or sellers? It's really to be open-minded. I think, um, and, and try and couple with the open-mindedness is a level of detachment. Um, typically it's the entrepreneur, CEO, whatever, who started the company and mm -hmm. it's personal, right? This is my baby. This is my right. company. And they sometimes can't see like clearly. And so what I always try to say is be open-minded because anything could happen and, you know, develop those relationships, but to be detached. And when I say detached, separate yourself. 
you're the CEO, but you're also the owner. And yep. when it comes to valuation and M&A, you've got to only wear the owner cap, like get rid of the whole, I work in the business, I don't care. You own an asset and look at it objectively that way. And when somebody can wear that hat and go, would you, you know, do you believe in the value of this? And would you, is this the right time to sell it? Um, that can really help. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had the conversation with the owner and when they've changed that mindset, or you just ask the question, so if you weren't the person working there, you didn't own it, what advice would you give to them? Oh, I would tell them to sell it immediately because this whole industry is going to go to crap. Hmm. And, you, and then you kind of catch and go, well, what? And then yeah. they go, oh, wait a minute. The epiphany so, moment. Yeah, detachment right. meets open-mindedness. Well, lastly, before we close, talking about an important asset to your business, our hashtag Valor Cares Initiative. Joe, one last plug. Yep. So if you own a business and you uh, need a better looking website or a better functioning website or just a website in general, we'd love to try to help you out, submit your information, and hopefully we get to pick you next. Awesome. So on behalf of our sponsors, Advanced Septic Services and Fuse Networks, um, thank you, Terry. Thank Kiss you, Terry. the virtual ring of the social media OG right Stop. here, right? <laughs> West Coast represent, you know, you could do it, put your back into it. There you go. West Coast is the best coast, they say. <laughs> uh, my name is Galen. I'm Joe. And coming at you virtually or from the BD Local Studios in Tacoma, Washington. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ask Valor Masterminds Podcast. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.